We're going to continue in our series. If you've been with us the past couple weeks, we got this week and then we'll finish it up next week. If you haven't been, we've been going through this little book called You Are Special by Max Lucado. Basically what it goes over is the ways that God sees us as special. Okay, so we looked at the first week, we kind of overviewed the whole book to see how God loves us, cares for us. Last week, we looked at our identity a little bit. You were made in his image. You were made uniquely. And this week, we're going to take kind of a different route. But understanding, now that we kind of understand how special we are, we see now people as special. Okay? So I know that might sound a little confusing, but special people see how special people are. Okay? So that's what I want you to understand as we unpack that a little. But as you think about something like this, have you ever known somebody that it seems like everybody's attracted to them? Not like physically, but just like as friends. Like it seems like no matter what kind of lifestyle they're living, no matter what kind of interests they have, hobbies they have, it seems like everybody just gravitates towards this person. Well, there's, there was a guy um, that had that kind of pull with him. That I, that I knew of. He, he kind of had that pull with him and it was like everybody wanted to be around him. He would hang out with all these people that were from different walks of life. He went to church. He was a Christian. He understood the whole relationship with Jesus, but it didn't matter if these people were involved with stuff like drugs and alcohol. They would gravitate towards this person. It didn't matter if these people were selfish and narcissistic. They would gravitate towards this person and, and he would go over to their house and, and sit with these people. And, and talk life with these people and unload his life on them, their life on him. They just did life together and they just gravitated towards this person. He, he didn't look probably even like you're, you're very picture perfect, if you want to say, Christian person. You know, he, he had long hair, long beard, just did kind of what he wanted. And so people understood that this guy followed Christ and had a relationship with him, but yet they weren't always proud, if you want to say, or happy with the way that he navigated his life because he always hung out with these people. It just seemed like people gravitated towards him and he had a heart for them. And it wasn't because he just wanted to hang out with whoever he wanted. He began to see people as special with value, with dignity. And so it didn't matter what they were involved in. This man hung out with them. And the religious people, the Christians would look on him and kind of wonder, I don't know about this guy. Because he just hung out with these types of people. Do you know somebody like that? Do you know somebody that has that pull that just attracts everybody? That no matter who they are, where they are, what's going on in life, they just attract these people? Or maybe have you noticed something different about somebody? They're just a little bit different and they seem to attract people. They seem to get people to come to them. Or maybe have you walked into a house and maybe your parents moved around the furniture and you kind of like stand there for a second and you go, I know something's different, but I don't know what. I don't know if you've had that. I used to have that all the time. My parents would move stuff around and I'd walk in and I'd go, something's different, but I don't understand what it is. Or you, you talk to one of your friends or maybe somebody you know and they got like a haircut, but it's not quite short enough to where it's like super noticeable. And so you walk up and you go, something's different, but I don't know what it is. 
people even had that when Shannon got her hair cut um, after she like cut it shorter. She would cut it a couple times. I remember my mom would look at her and she'd go, something's different, but I don't know exactly what it is. Have you had moments like that where you're asking yourself something looks a little different? Or that person is just a little different than everybody else. And based on the life that we're supposed to live for Jesus, people should be asking that question about us. Man, I don't know what it is about them, but there's something different about them. They don't fit in that picture-perfect box that we think of as Christians. They live a life for Jesus. They seem like they love everybody. They think everybody's special. Something's different about them. And so I want to unpack for the next few moments this idea that special people see how special people are. If you don't understand how special you are, you will never begin to see people with how special they really are. And so if you're not at that point where you even understand how special you are, then you need to make sure you you understand that. You understand that God loves you, that God thinks you're unique, that God thinks you are the best thing in the world and he just wants to be in a relationship with you and you were made in his image. You need to understand that first. But once you begin to grasp that, you get, then begin to see through the eyes of God, man, these people are special. No matter what they're doing in life, no matter where they're at in life, I see them just how God sees them. So I'll read this next section. And we meet Lucia, if you remember from the very first week. She's introduced in this section. It says, One day, Punchinello met a Wemmick who was unlike any he'd ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It's just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars. They would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick, who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me, Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. So if you haven't been here and you're like, I'm jumping in right now and I'm not understanding, what these little wooden people do is they walk around and they give either a dot or a star to each of these people. Stars mean they've done something good, whether they can sing good, whether they have a good special talent. The, the, the dots mean they've done something wrong. They've told a joke that's not funny. They fall down. Whatever it is, they get dots. And so this guy, Punchinello, who's kind of our main character in this story, walks up and sees this person named Lucia. Lucia is different than everybody else. There's something just a little bit different about Lucia. She doesn't have either stars or dots. Nothing sticks to her. Nothing seems to stick to her body and so it's not like people weren't trying to give her stars or dots they just wouldn't stick people would come up they try to put one on and just fall off they put a star on it falls off man you did something amazing i want to reward you so i give you a star it falls right off oh man you've done something wrong you, you deserve a dot so they go up put a dot on her it falls right off and punchinella starts to go there's something a little different like why isn't there anything that sticks to you 
no matter what people say about you, it doesn't seem to bother you. It doesn't seem to matter to you. And this is when she begins to say, it's because I go see the woodcarver. And if we look in this bigger picture, what it's supposed to reflect is because I go see God. I go see my creator. I go see who's created me in his image uniquely. And I talk to him every day. I spend time with him every day. And what he says matters more to me than what you all say. This is what she tells Punchinello. It doesn't matter what you guys say to me. I know who I am. I understand that I'm special. And Punchinello, if you want to be just like me, you need to go see Jesus and know that you're special too. Know that no matter what people say about you, you matter to Jesus. And she begins to help Punchinello understand that he's better than he thinks. That he means more. He's valuable than he understands. He's too busy listening to what all the other people are saying. And that's why he's all covered in dots. Well, you don't do anything right, so it sticks. And he starts to believe it. You're right, I don't do anything right. I'm a failure. And so he catches all these dots and he goes, Lucia, there's something different about you. She says, you're special. Go talk to the, to the woodcarver. He'll tell you who you are. Maybe a question you need to chew on is, do you know you're special? And if you do, are you spending time with your creator? Now, it's easy for us to sit here and you say, well, Taylor, I don't really like to spend time with Jesus because you have to sit down, you have to read your Bible and pray. Yeah, that's part of it. But what he really wants is for you to spend time with him. If I want to sit down with Shannon... I don't sit down to spend time with her and just ask her all these questions about her day, and that's it. She shares what's going on in her life and in her heart, and we have a conversation. And then she, I share what's going on in my life and maybe the things I'm thinking about. We have a real conversation. We spend real time together. And we've put Jesus in this box that when we go see the woodcarver... It's just this list of stuff I have to do. To do. When you, would you treat a relationship like that here on earth? Your best friend, if you're in a relationship, would you treat that person like that? Lucia sees this when she goes to spend time with the woodcarver, that this is a special time, that he helps me understand who I truly am, and I begin to see who he truly is. And because we both see each other's side, and I understand how special he is, and how he sees everybody as special, I begin to see other people as special too, because I want to be just like my creator. We're too busy out here trying to judge everybody else. Well, you're, you're no good at anything. Well, you're not funny. Well, I don't want to spend time with you. And so we start judging all these other people. And we need to walk around more like Lucia who says, yeah, I may not have anything. That doesn't make me any better than any of you. I just understand that I'm special and I want you to understand you're special too. So we need to stop walking around and saying, well, this person's involved with this. This person's in this relationship. That's not good for them. Can we just love people for who they truly are? Can we value people for who they truly are? Yes, we may not agree with what they're doing in their life. There's a lot of people that I know I don't agree with the sin that they're doing in their life, but that doesn't mean I love them any less. That doesn't mean I don't see them as special, that my heart breaks for them because they're off doing whatever they want and God just sees them that has more potential and is more valuable than where they're trying to get their fulfillment. 
we need a lot more Lucias walking around instead of all the other Wemmicks walking around who say, wow, there's something special about you. You may not see it, but I know God sees it. And you need to know you're special. There was a, there's another story. We're going to look at this story here in Luke 10, here in a second. But as you either turn there or um, listen for a second, there was another story of this guy that went out and he wanted to buy a gift for his wife. He lived in the Cleveland area. And so he's like, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go get my wife a present. And so he goes out and goes, goes to the place that he knows he's going to get this present, present, so I'm going to drive down and I'm going to get this present. And so as he's going out, though, he realizes that there's some construction happening to the place on the road that he's going to go to the store that he wants to go. And so in order for him to get to the place that he wants to go, he can either go all the way around Cleveland and come out and around, or he can go through the inner city of Cleveland to get to this store. So he can go either all the way out and around, which is going to take him a lot longer, or he can go through the inner city of Cleveland. And so as he's driving in the inner city of Cleveland, he gets into the middle of this fight that these two people are having, and one of them pulls out a gun, fires, and as he tries to get out of the way, it kind of skims past his arm and his chest and and kind of gashes him a little bit. And so... He, he hurried up and tried to pull over to the side of the road so he didn't crash or anything and got out of the car to try to get some help. But as he's yelling for help, these kids had come out that were just trying to cause some trouble and wanted money. And so they beat this guy up, took his money, took his wallet, took his phone and his car keys, and they drove, hopped in the car and they drove away. And so this guy's now laying here, half beaten up, can't move, just trying to look for some help. And then all of a sudden, here along walks a pastor. Pastor's walking around. You're like, why is the pastor going into inner city Cleveland? Pastor's walking around because he's got to go to this big meeting with all these churches up in Cleveland. And in order to get to the place he's going, the church is right on the other side of the inner city of Cleveland. And so he's got to walk through here so that he can get to this big meeting pastor walks through and sees this guy laying here but a lot of things start running through his head i've got to get to this meeting and i'm late second this is a rough part of town and so if i take the chance to stop and help this guy i may get beat up too and so probably the best thing for me to do is hurry up and get out of here so i don't get hurt as well and so he passes right on by then we got this other lady who just got off work she goes to church and, and she, she just got off work, and she's going home so she can have some downtime before she has a Bible study she's got to get to. She's just tired, wants to sit down for a little bit, and she's walking through as she gets off work. Sees this guy laying here, half beaten up, and he tries to, to yell for help a little bit, and she kind of sees him, and she kind of walks past like, man, this guy's got to be on some type of drugs or alcohol. Probably got himself beat up, and he deserved it. And so she keeps walking on by and goes home so that she can rest before her Bible study. Then comes along a motorcycle or a biker. 
biker, you know, probably your typical biker who's got the leather pants, the jacket, jean jacket with different decals sewn on it, tattoos all over, long hair, bandana. And this guy kind of looks up just as he's about to pass out uh, and sees this guy and is thinking to himself, there's no way this guy's going to stop. He's just like everybody else. And, and he's not going to stop. And as he's riding up on his motorcycle, he sees this guy over here off to the side, half beaten up, and, and he just has a love for this guy. And he hops off his motorcycle, gets down, picks this guy up, throws him on the back, and takes him to the hospital to where he gets better and takes care of him. Now, some of you may hear this story and say it sounds a little familiar. Well, we're going to look at a story that looks a little familiar to this same story. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, says this. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. When he, was, when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher, then I'll pay, for you, pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say? was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Go and do the same. Understand what the situation Jesus is talking here. You got to break it down a little bit. Jesus says, okay, here's this person traveling down from Jerusalem to Jericho, making his trip down doing his own thing, on the way down, gets jumped, beaten up, everything's taken off of him. And I think what's interesting, at least my version says, I don't know if yours says that, is they stripped him of his clothes. So not only was he beaten up, left for dead, he's now very vulnerable and probably embarrassed because he has nothing on him. And so along walks the first person. Our first person we think is got to be the person that's helping him. This is the priest. This is the pastor, if we want to put it in modern-day terms. The pastor's walking along. This guy lives working for Jesus. Of course this guy's got to stop. That's all his life's about is caring, loving people. But I don't know what's going on. He's got stuff maybe going on in his head. He's late for a meeting. I don't know. Maybe he has the problems of the people that he's ministering to or he's hearing about the sins of the people. And so I don't know what goes on, but something in this pastor didn't click that he's supposed to see the value in people, that he's supposed to see how special people are. So instead of stopping, he doesn't only just go past him. He makes it a point to go all the way on the other side of the road and pass by. The one guy that you would expect no doubt is going to stop and help this guy passes on the other side. Then comes along the temple assistant, or some of you say Levi, or if we want to put in modern terms, somebody that goes to church. Somebody that's maybe not necessarily even a deacon or an elder, but just somebody that's a part of the church, involved, serving, somebody you would expect to, to stop as well. This isn't somebody that's just sitting in the pew and leaving when the sermon's over, but somebody that's involved, maybe serving in kids at their church or serving in students or helping out with young adults or whatever it is, leading a grace group. That's the person that walks by next. You think, okay, 
The person that not only works for God passed by, but this person's got to stop because she may not necessarily work for God, but she's serving in the church. She understands. She understands what it's like to care for people, so she'll stop. Nope, I don't know what's going on in her head. She's got stuff going on. She's got her own family issues. She's got problems with the people she's leading, and she's wrestling with too much stuff, and she's on her way to go wherever she's going, and so she does the same thing, tries to pass by and goes on the other side of the road. Then the third person walks along, and that's, in my terms, you may be able to think of somebody better, but I understand somebody like a biker. That's usually somebody in our eyes that we understand is not your traditional person, probably a rough person, probably involved in, in a bunch of different stuff, and kind of an outsider, and that's the Samaritan. Samaritans, the ones that the Jews didn't get along with. They were what were called half-breeds, half-Jewish, half-Gentile. They weren't true Jews, and so there was this feud that always happened with the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And Jesus made it a point to say this man was Jewish that's half beaten up. Very beginning, a Jewish man. So the people that are sitting around as they're listening to Jesus' story, as he's like, man, he's telling this story, they've got to say there's no way the Samaritan stops because this is the one and only person that we hate the most. There's no way that this Samaritan man is going to stop and help a Jewish man. Yet the Samaritans, the one that began to saw the value in somebody. There was something that came over the Samaritan that as they walked by, tears start coming down his face as he sees this Jewish man just laying there naked, beaten up and half dead. That man, I got to do something. I got to do something. It doesn't matter who they are, what their nationality is. There's something about them that I love and I'm, I feel compassion for. And so the Samaritan, out of all of them, the one you least expect, gets down, helps this person out, takes him to the hospital, and not only gets him all the way there, but says, if the bill runs high, I'll take care of it as I come back through. There was something in the Samaritan that said, I'm not going to listen to the stereotypes about my people. I'm not going to listen to what everybody else thinks about me. What I'm going to do is I see this person and there's a valuable person there. I don't even know who they are, but there's something about them that's special. Why? I don't know. But they saw something. Something came over them that said, man, I need to help this person. So they go down and they pick it up. If you saw somebody laying there, maybe it's not somebody that's beaten up, passed out. How many times, maybe some of you older ones that drive, or if you pay attention when your parents are driving, do you see somebody on the side of the road? And we just pass on by. Man, weren't we the ones that were called to love people? I'm as guilty as anybody else. I'm not putting this on any of you. There's many times I drive past or if you see sometimes out here at Walmart, you got those people standing here asking for money. I know that's different, and they're, but they're out there. And when have any of us ever stopped, even had a conversation with them? I remember my dad telling me, he's on his way home from the, they have a cottage up around Cedar Point. And so they were, he was on his way home, he was doing stuff up there, and he's coming back through, and there's this old lady, he says, on the side of the road, and she's standing there looking like she's trying to flag people down. And so my dad, 
he's telling me the stories I'm I, I'm riding with him and he says she's she's standing on the side of the road and I pass on by because I'm like I'm on the phone talking to somebody and I'm just trying to get home it's been a long day and so he's talking to this person all of a sudden he hangs up the phone and he said he as he described to me it was that feeling that God began to kind of push him a little and him trying to say no I don't want to and so my dad just keeps on driving and about a couple minutes down the road he swings his car around and says dang it I gotta go back and help her and he gets out of the car comes all the way back gets out of the car starts talking to her she's got something wrong with her car I don't remember exactly what it was and, and he stood there and he waited till she had AAA come and fix the car, but he stood there, had a conversation with her, and just talked with her. Didn't even necessarily talk about anything spiritual, but began to show her love. It may have started out that my dad didn't necessarily want to do that and kind of felt like he had to, but there was something in him that began to see, man, this is a person too. This person has value too. I remember when I was over at Southview before here. I used to do some stuff with a rehab facility. And so I would go into the jails and I would sit down with these guys that were in jail for some type of drug-related charge and I would talk to them. And I would talk to them. I remember one of the first guys I went in to see had no idea who this guy was. I worked with an organization. They would call me and say, hey, this person's in the national jail. Can you go see him? I said, sure. So I go in and I go and talk to this guy. As soon as I walked in this little room, I don't know if you've ever been in a jail or had to visit anybody in a jail, but I sat in this room and there's a screen that comes right here, glass screen right here, and I have a phone I have to pick up and talk to the guy on the other side of the, of the little room we're in. He comes in the door, he's got handcuffs on, and the guard stands right outside the door as he has his conversation. And there was a weird feel in that whole time because it was the first time I'd ever been in jail. It's not like I've been in there for anything or had to visit anybody and so I'm sitting in there kind of nervous and he picks up the phone and we start having this conversation it could have been very easy for me to say are you going to get your life together this was his second or third time in jail for a drug related cause and he could have easily I could have just easily started saying you're either going to get your life together or you're not going to live much longer but I saw something in this guy that was special He's a person too. It doesn't matter what he's got going on. I could have given him the gray dot. You deserve gray dots because all you do is keep messing up and keep failing and keep finding yourself back in the same place. But I said, you are special too and I love you. I remember telling him, I said, you don't know me and you probably don't even know who I am, but I want you to know that I care for you and I love you. He got out of jail two days later, and two days after he got out of jail, made his way to Youngstown to the rehab facility. All because somebody saw him as special. It wasn't necessarily me. There was, there was a bunch of people around him trying to get him some help. But how often those people are pushed away rather than brought in. We need to be people that are just like the Samaritan that say there's something special about people and it doesn't matter what they're involved in, who they are, I'm going to love them. Do you see people as special? I challenge you this week as we go about 
to see people as special. The way I see this the best is you just have to pretend with me. These aren't real glasses. Shannon got me these glasses. I wear them when I work. They're blue light glasses, if you know what those are. I put them on so it helps me not get headaches and stuff when I'm looking at a computer or a tablet. But I put these on, and so if you imagine, I can't see very well without glasses. Just imagine with me for a second. I can't see very well without glasses. And so in order for me to be able to see things, I need to put something on that's going to help my vision. And so I put glasses on. I put them on so I can now see everything that's going on. I can see what's happening around me. And I think what a lot of us are doing throughout the week is we, we say, yeah, God, I understand you're special. But, but we begin to look around and we're not seeing people the way that God sees them. We're walking around with the glasses in our hands or we got the glasses in our pocket and we're like, yeah, I get I'm special, but I don't know about Susie over here. She's doing whatever she wants. I don't know about uh, Rick over here. He's kind of just doing whatever he wants. But so I'm just going to kind of live my life. And so we walk around with our glasses in the pocket. God's calling us to say, okay, you understand you're special. Put your glasses on and start seeing through the eyes of Jesus that every person has value, everybody is special, and you can love everybody. That doesn't mean you support what they're doing. I want to be very clear about that. But you can still see the value in people and how special they are because God sees them as special. Are you putting on your God glasses this week? Will you put them on this week as you look at people and say, man, I see you as special? Because when you begin to spend time with the Creator, you begin to get the same love, feelings, affections, perceptions as Him. His perception is contagious. So when you see He sees you as special, well, then I see you as special, and I see you as special. And what happens if we all just began to see each other as special? Special people see how special people are. Let me pray.